And for those that are visiting, for those that have been coming and going over the summer, uh, we have been looking at who we are in Christ. We have been looking at the reality of our identity. And before we even start, my voice is playing games with me today. So if I have to take a cough drop or if I have to have a sip of water, you'll understand what's going on. I'm praying that it doesn't cause any issues. Um, and so we've been looking at, you know, who are we? I'm looking at Christian identity. And so today we're actually in week five. And, uh, and so we want to continue on and looking at who we are in Christ. And there's a story. There were two Australian sailors staggered out of the London pub into a dense fog and looked around for help. As they steadied themselves, they saw a man coming into the pub but evidently missed the military medal splashing on his dress uniform. One sailor blurted out, Say, bloke, do you know where we are? The officer, thoroughly offended, snarled in response, Do you know, man, who I am? The sailors looked at each other and one said to the other, We're really in a mess now. We don't know where we are, and he doesn't know who he is. <laughs> Now that's comical, but the truth of it is today what we're looking at, do we really know who we are in Christ? That's what we've been dealing with over the summer, the coming and the going of the summer. And I was thinking today about identity theft. And you know, identity theft scares a lot of us because we hear so much about it. And identity theft includes everything from check forgery and the use of stolen credit cards and sophisticated scams that are out there in which an imposter adopts another person's identity to gain access to all of their assets. Cloaked in your stolen identity, a fraudster can cash your checks, raid your bank accounts, milk your credit card company, and even load a big mortgage onto your house. I remember hearing a few years back that somebody in Castlefax was trying to sell someone else's house, and it wasn't for sale. This is a great fear that we have. And we do, all of us, do our best to prevent what? Identity theft. We don't want to see this become a reality for us. But it's interesting because Stacey Eldridge wrote about another kind of identity theft, and she talked about the spiritual sabotage. She said, friends, I'm saying, quote, Friends, Satan's number one tool against us is identity theft. The battle rages, our lives are opposed, and it's so easy for us, uh, for us to forget that all around us, every moment, a battle is going on. We are born into a world of a war, and the prize is the human heart. The primary assault on our hearts comes in the form of spiritual identity theft. In order to stand firm against the enemy's endless accusations against us, we have to know who we are. In order for us to offer what we are meant to offer, we need to know who we are. And in order for us to be taken out in the battle that surrounds us, guess what, she says, you guessed it, we need to know who we are. And so here we've been struggling with this question, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who you are in Christ? And so to do a recap, our first week, 
We look at the reality that all of humanity, now some of you, this is getting redundant, but you know what? They say you need to hear it seven times. So we're, we're working on it. We're almost at seven, not quite. Right? But in, for those that haven't been here, it's important to do the recap. Our first week, we looked at the fact that all of humanity has been made in the image of God. All of us. And so we looked at the reality that if all of humanity has been made in the image of God, therefore every person has value and worth before God. And also every person has been created to bring glory to God. I've been made in God's image, and like a mirror reflects, right, the person, I have been made to reflect the glory of God. That is what we were created for. Then we look at the second week. Unfortunately, you can't go to Genesis 1 without going to Genesis 3. And as we go to Genesis 3, we see the fall of humanity. Although made in God's image, all of humanity now is fallen. Though we've been made in His image, we have are fallen because of disobedience and sin. And we talked about the fact like a masterpiece of art. We used that example, and I think it's a great example. We looked at the Mona Lisa, and say somebody like the Mona Lisa uh, threw dirty motor oil all over it. The image would still be there, but it was now dirty and marred and needed a rescue. And so, the third week, we looked at the reality that God has sent Jesus. Jesus is the remedy for those who are fallen now. All of us are fallen. We are marred. And we need a remedy. And Jesus is the remedy. Hallelujah. Amen. That God knew that He would send His Son for us. Christ died for all. And he died to restore in you and to restore in me that original image that has been distorted and marred because of sin. Christ was born, he died, he arose, and he ascended to restore. And I've emphasized, and Pastor Mike has emphasized, he didn't ascend to the Father in spirit, he ascended to the Father in human form, in the body that he had taken on and that was up from that grave and glorified as it came through the grave in that wonderful resurrection Sunday, resurrection day, that as he came up from that grave, he came with a glorified body, but it was still a human body that ascended to the right hand of the Father. Your fallen humanity has been totally restored in and through Christ. And in human form, fully God, get me right, and fully man in human form, the first case of the resurrection is now standing before God. That's why we say that we were under the old Adam and now underneath the new Adam. Right? That's what that scripture is all about. That now when I'm in Christ, and he is now standing in human form where the image of God has been totally restored. Through, through him I am reconciled, I am redeemed, and I am justified if I am in Christ. So I don't do anything to earn this. 
But the one thing I need to nail down, the one thing I need to be able to point to, the one thing I should be able to put a date to, that moment was when I realized that I needed him. If I was going to return to the Father, if I was going to have a relationship with my Creator, if I was going to be made right with God, I needed to accept Christ and what He has done. And then I am reconciled, redeemed, and justified. Week four, we looked at the fact that just like your physical identity is very much connected to your family, us in Italian culture, name is very important, right? You're a Zita. Pastor Mike would say that, especially to our boys, not to Tina so much, but to our boys. You're a Zita, remember that, right? Zitas don't do this and Zitas do that. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever used that term with Renee or whatever other name, Yo's or whatever, Wallace's. But there was this reality that this is the family you belong to, and this is part of your identity. And for us now, in Christ, we are part of the family of God. And that's a part of who we are now. That's a part of our identity. And so we challenged uh, last week and everyone to realize that, yes, my earthly family is important, and I'll make sacrifices and spend time with them. But you never do that at the expense that you don't have energy and time for the family of God. Because the family of God is where you're going to spend eternity. Now we're hoping and praying that our physical family will be a part of the family of God. Right? But I believe even listening to the stories and then hearing and being in Ephesus and seeing about the house of Mary and John, uh, you know, John the, uh, the apostle taking care of Mary after Jesus had ascended to the Father, that Mary would have had to come, even Jesus' own mother would have had to come to a place of decision and recognition of who her son was. Every one of our children and grandchildren, brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles, need to come to that same decision. And then anyone and everyone is a part of the family of God. So, here we are. Now that, that's just the backdrop of what we've been working through. And I pray that some of this is starting to resonate in your spirit and you're beginning to know who you are in Christ. For what Christ has done for us. Today I wanted us just to unpack a bit about what does it mean for me to be in Christ? Who am I if I'm in Christ? A few of these things have really been life-changing for me to understand and I, I wanted to share uh, some of these with you. One of the things we need to nail down today is I am forgiven. Do you know, it's so sad to meet Christians who are walking their Christian walk and they have not truly understood that they are forgiven. Now, I would not be proud today to put my past up on that screen for all to see. Though some might like to know some good gossip. And the truth of it is today, some of you would say, Pastor, I'm not proud of what I've done. Do you know the reality today? It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. Did you get that? It doesn't matter. If I've accepted Christ, it's under the blood, and it is forgiven. It is forgiven. 
And so we walk around now in this forgiveness, as, as Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, because we know we are uh, forgiven, we realize that Romans 8 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we have what? As Paul says, we don't go around with a ministry of condemnation. We go around with a ministry of what? Reconciliation. That's what we're called to be doing, is going around reconciling others to God so they too can know the joy of forgiveness. And I know when we fully accept this fact that we are forgiven, it begins to radiate throughout our lives. It, it begins to uh, have an effect on who we are. It begins to help us to relax more, to have more peace and purpose. We don't go around condemning others because we know that we didn't deserve anything to get here. We are forgiven solely by the gift of God. But now we give this ministry of reconciliation to others because we are quick to forgive. Did you get that? We are quick to forgive others. Why? Because we are forgiven. We forgive others. <laughs> Jesus said, this is pivotal, right? And so I challenge you today, if I know I am forgiven, I don't go around harboring unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness. Because if I am forgiven, there's no place for that in my heart and life towards others. That's a challenge. That that too needs to be brought under the blood of Christ. That I can walk in forgiveness, and I can offer Forgiveness to others. And so I know I'm forgiven, and praise God, in Christ I am righteous. I am righteous. I am made righteous through Christ, and now I can have righteous behavior. Now, next time when I come back, we're going to talk more about living, walking in what this means, which is that righteous behavior. But I need to know that I'm in right relationship with Christ. And I stand on the fact of Christ's righteousness. So when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees all that Christ has done, and you don't have to worry anymore about it. You can have a wonderful relationship with your Heavenly Father, your Creator, because all of what Christ has done. And so you are righteous. And so through Christ I am righteous. Here's an important one. In Christ in me, I am not. Now what does Pastor Betty mean by that? Say to somebody, I am not. I am not. I am not. I am loved and accepted just as I am. You know that? Now God is not finished with me yet. God's not finished with you yet. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's still hope. <laughs> But I'm enough. Right where I stand today, right when I stand before God, God loves me just as I am. Do you know that today? Like that's something that has to resonate in your spirit, deep, deep down in your soul, that you're enough. You know, I went around my whole life trying to prove things to people, trying to prove something to myself. And we come to this place when we realize I am enough. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. 
I'm free to be me. Can you celebrate today who you are? Mm -hmm. Can you celebrate the way that God has created you? Warts and all. Can you laugh at those areas that maybe aren't so great? Stop taking life so seriously. Take souls, the lost souls and the kingdom seriously, but stop taking yourself so seriously. Because God is saying to you, oh my precious child, I love you just as you are. You are enough. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. And we can celebrate that God is not finished with us yet. I'm whole. Um, now, you know, many times we've talked about holiness. <clears throat> one of the examples we've used is a pen. I don't have one here today, I don't think. But we've used the example of a pen. And, and you can have a pen and you can say, you know, that pen pastor has marks on it and nicks and one of the teenagers chewed the end of the, of the pen and it's not looking too perfect. And yet I would say to you, that pen is perfect. Why is it perfect? Scripture says, be ye perfect as I am perfect, or your Heavenly Father is perfect. Why is that pen perfect? Because if I pick it up and I write, it's perfect. Well, Pastor, how's that? I say it's perfect because it is fulfilling what it was created to do. The pen writes. See, sometimes we get our lives so caught up on the peripheral things that we lose the, the truth of the gospel. That God wants you to display His glory. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. God wants you to spend eternity with Him. If you are in Christ, those things have been settled. And now my relationship with God is whole. And yes, I'm not perfect. You'll find flaws. You might have a bit of problem with my new finis once in a while. That my grammar's not perfect. And my delivery's not always great. But my friends, it doesn't matter. Because before him, I'm enough. And I don't have to go around and win you over or, or try to get your praise. Because ultimately it's his praise that I'm concerned about. I don't live to your standards. I don't live to my standards. Now that's, that's a major breakthrough. My goal in life is to live to... His standards. And what is Christ saying to me today? I'll tell you, that can be life-changing for some of us that have really struggled with that reality. Now, I like this. <clears throat> some, somebody once said the 12 misfits. If we look at the disciples and we look at Jesus' chosen disciples, they would probably be the most unlikely men that any of us would have chosen. Even the Apostle Paul probably would have been the last one that any of us would have chosen. Quite honestly, us in ministry, we would probably be the last one you would choose. <laughs> but you know what's so powerful in this? Jesus called them. Why did he call them? Because he did not see where they were. He saw them at their full potential. And that's what God does. He doesn't see you today where you are. He just accepts where you are today. But God sees you at all that you can be. Young people, you need to hear this. God sees you at where you can be in Him. He's not finished with us yet. God has a, 
uh, capacity and a potential for us that we need to move into. I, had a, I was at a worship conference many years ago that was very, very powerful. <clears throat> Matt Redman and Tim Hughes were presenting one of the sessions that we were at, and we were sitting like as close as I am there with Pastor Mike, and they were sharing their story. And at that time, Tim Hughes was very, very young, similar to the picture that you see here. And um, with their pastor at one point, Matt Redman was saying, we need a, in England, we need a new worship leader in our church. And so the pastor and him prayed and said, you know, where are we going to find this worship leader? And they were looking around and there was a lot of people in church with talent, musical talent. And after praying together, God said to them, you need to find a worship leader who has a heart for worship. It's about a heart. Heart after God. Heart for worship. And so they were praying about it. And one of the services they looked, there was a service of youth and the kids were on their phones and others were chatting. And way in the back of the church was a young man in this worship song. No one else seemed to notice. His hands were up. His eyes were closed. And he was worshiping the Lord. He was 17 at the time, Tim Hughes. And so the pastor in that room looked at him and said, that's it, it's him. God had put his hand on him. Now, why do I say that? Because God sees at our full potential, not where we are. Because young Tim Hughes has written so many worship songs and of light worship and all kinds of things now, much later in life, he couldn't even play the guitar. He never ever picked up a musical instrument. All he seen was that they were ready, he was worshiping the Lord. That's all it was. And God saw this young man at his full potential. Was he enough that day? Yes. Just as he was, God set him apart to be this wonderful worship leader. And as time went on, all those other tools and giftings the Holy Spirit gave him worked in his life. And so God sees each one of us at our full potential. What would it look like if a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a grandparent saw their kids at full potential? Well, not only where they are today, but where they can be in Christ. That's the kind of environment I would like to be around as a young person. That people see more in me than I see myself. Wouldn't that be great for seniors that somebody around us would see more in us, not just with young people, that, that somehow we would understand that God's not finished with any of us yet. It helps us to be much more gracious towards each other, much more loving and kind. I like what Max Lucado said. Max Lucado said, children have a tendency to say, look at me on the tricycle. Look at me go on the trampoline. Look at me bounce on the swing set. Look at me swing. Such behavior is acceptable for children. Yet many adults spend their grown-up years saying the same. Look at me drive a fancy car. Look at me make money. Look at me wear provocative clothes. Look at me use big words. Look at me flex my muscles. Look at me. He says, isn't it time we grew up? We were made to live a life that says, look at God. People are to look at us and see, not us, but the image of our maker. This is God's plan. This is God's promise. And he will fulfill it. He will make us into his image. That daily we can become more and more the image bearers of our God through Christ. 
Oh, we'll deal with this the next time. But God encourages us to keep growing and maturing every day. And he has not finished with any of us here. He has a purpose for us to fulfill on earth. Look at somebody and say, you're still here. Are you still here? Are you still with me? God has a purpose for you to fulfill. If you're still here, God has a purpose for you to fulfill. That's who you are in Christ. And praise God, I don't know if you understand this, but I am free. Hallelujah. I am free. Amen. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free of the sin. I'm free of my past. I'm free. But I'm free to be who I am in Christ. And when we are free, it can be so liberating because we have been given a choice. Do you know what your freedom in Christ is? I choose yes to God. Yes to Jesus. Yes to salvation. Yes to hope and glory in the future. And I can say no. No to the sin that entangles, as the Apostle Paul said. No to temptation. No, that's my freedom in Christ. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I'm free. I no longer have to live under a yoke of slavery. I no longer have to submit to addictions and say, well, that's just the way it is. I can live a life in glorious freedom. And Pastor Mike taught this to me so long ago, and I thought it was such a good word here. <laughs> that if I know that I am loved, I'm free to fail. See, one of my biggest fears in all of life is always failure. Now, some of you have, might have other fears, but, you know, never being good enough, as I said. Never measuring up. Never, never doing what I need to do. Uh, failure, you know, and a lot of people have that terrible fear of failure. And there comes a place in my life that I know that I am so loved by God, it's okay if I fail. It's okay. Pick myself up. Move on. Try again. You see, because life in the faith is about risk-taking. Now, there might be some that are willing to sit in the boat and watch Peter walk on water. Right? But Peter, at least, was a risk-taker. And he experienced something that the other disciples never experienced. For a moment there, he walked on water with the Lord. Oh, did he lose his uh, focus and begin to sink and have to cry out, Lord, say yes. He failed in some way. Some would look at it as a failure. But I would say to you, Peter knew he was loved enough that he could walk on water with the Lord. When I know I am loved, I'm willing to step up. I'm willing to take risks. And I'm even willing to fail for Jesus. Because I would much sooner fail trying to do something for the Lord than sitting and doing nothing for him. And it doesn't really matter in the big picture because I'm loved by God and I'm free to fail. See, there's this freedom that comes that no matter what's going on in our lives, this freedom can give me confidence and assurance in Christ. And lastly, I have everything I need in Jesus. Well, many will say, and that's not a cliche. I mean, some of these can become Christianese and cliches. I'm not talking about truths. I'm not talking about cliches here today. I, I'm saying I'm not waiting for the great someday. Now, now, hear me right. I've met Christians 
that it's all about the sweet by and by, that there's nothing going on today. And I'm, I'm not saying that. Someday, praise the Lord, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God with Him. But what I need today, I'm not living in someday, I'm living today. And what I need today, God has provided. What this church needs today, God has provided. Everything I need to be who I'm called to be today, God has provided everything through Christ Jesus. I have all that I need. I'm not living a life of if only. You know how many times we hear in the church, if only? Well, Pastor, if only I had more time, I would be at prayer meeting. If only this happened. And no, 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 my friends. You have what you need today. Now, Jesus told us not to worry about tomorrow. I'm not talking about a week from now or a year from now or five years from now. I'm talking about today. Whatever I need today, Christ has provided everything. And already I have Christ. And that is everything. As I bring this to a close, we go back to Stacy Eldridge about identity theft. I think one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor is seeing people who have accepted Christ, but their spiritual identity has been stolen. And they're going around living a life of defeatism. Now, I'm not saying a life of happy, happy, happy and no difficulties. Hear me right. Because we know it falls on the good and the bad. We know that life can be really hard. We've come through a pandemic. We know it can be hard. But we need to know who we are in Christ. And by knowing who we are in Christ, we are overcomers. We can, we can see through the maze and the mess and realize that we are in Christ. And there is this sense of wholeness and completeness and strength that God has provided for us, no matter what storm we face in life. Do you know today who you are in Christ? Have you embraced it? That's what this series has been about this summer. Everyone's going around talking about identity, identity, identity. It is only in and through Christ that you can find your true identity, how you've been created to be, and God wants you to have life and live it to the fullest. That is His plan for you. And so Stacy Eldridge says, the old has gone, the new has come. Hallelujah. Let me remind you who you are. We truly now are. This is what she said. As a child of the living God, you are no longer defined by your past, your wounds, or your sins. Your identity is not based on your failures, but on the finished work of Christ. That's a fact. We all are his innocent, chosen children. You were chosen before the foundations of the earth to be holy. You are loved beyond telling. You are the beloved of Jesus. You are the bride of Christ, the prize of heaven. You are the beauty of the kingdom. You are Christ's ambassador. You are bringing the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. And you are hated. By the one Jesus has conquered, defeated, and disarmed. And you have authority over him. The enemy. My friends, the victory has been won. You can rest in what God has accomplished for you. And from that place of victory, you have everything you need.
to stand firm, resist the devil, and enforce the truth. Press in, beloved of God. Dive into the reality and marinate in the truth of who you are in Christ. End quote. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as I close with this story. <clears throat> While walking through a forest one day, a man found a young eagle who had fallen out of his nest. He took it home and he put it in his barnyard where it soon learned to eat and behave like chickens. Imagine that picture. Eagle walking around like a chicken. I wonder if he talks. One day a naturalist passed by the farm and asked why it was that the king of all birds should be confined to live in the barnyard with a bunch of chickens. Well, the farmer replied that since he had given it chicken feed and trained it to be a chicken, it never learned how to fly. It thought it was a chicken. And since it now behaved like a chicken, it was no longer an eagle, it was a chicken. Still, it has the heart of an eagle, said the naturalist, and surely he can be taught to fly. He lifted the eagle towards the sky and said, You belong to the sky and not the earth. Stretch forth your wings and fly. Well, the eagle, however, was confused and he did not know who he was. And seeing the chickens eating their food, he jumped down to be with them again, the chickens. The naturalist took the bird to the roof of the house and urged them again, saying, You are an eagle. Stretch forth your wings and fly. But the eagle was afraid of the unknown, and the unknown self, and the world, and everything around him, and so he jumped down once more to join the chickens. Finally, the naturalist took the eagle out of the barnyard to a high mountain, where he held the king of the birds high above him, and encouraged him again, saying, You are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Stretch forth your wings and fly. Then the naturalist lifted him straight towards the sun, and it happened that the eagle began to tremble. He stretched out his wings, and with a triumphant cry, soared away into the heavens. As far as anyone knows, he has never returned to lead the life of a chicken. Here's the question. If God has created you and I, and called you to be an eagle, why are you settling to be a chicken? Why, if God has created you to soar and to be all that you have been called to be in Christ Jesus, why would you settle for anything less? Because that's who we are. That is how Christ has, has given us, and in Christ we are forgiven, we're righteous, we're enough, hallelujah, we're free, and today you have everything you need for what God is calling you to do and to be. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would help us as the Church of Jesus Christ yes, to arise, to soar into all that you have for us. Lord, often we have gone through spiritual identity theft. We're, we're going around not knowing who we are. It's like we hear people talking. It's like Christ, Christ isn't around. The Holy Spirit isn't around. Oh, woe is me. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would percolate in us and something would rise up in us as the church of Jesus Christ 
potential in Christ, all that He's called us to be, and it will not look like what the world thinks we should be. Because even as I posted this morning on the messenger group, the world will tell us all kinds of things, but Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That's what we're called to do. It's a different way of living, but that different way brings life and life to the fullest. Yes, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to help each one of us mm-hmm. on this journey of knowing who we fully are in Christ. And I pray for those today in the sound of my voice that they can actually say, Pastor, I am in Christ. I can come to a moment when I've accepted him and I've accepted the work that he has done on the cross for me. And now I'm in Christ and I'm part of the family of God. And so, Lord, we pray today, if people have not yet made that decision, today is the day of that decision. It's only a moment. It is only a turning point where we realize that we are marred. We are fallen. We are broken. We are sinners. And praise God for your amazing grace that through Christ we can accept him in the gift of salvation. And our lives will never be the same Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be gracious towards one another. Help us to be ministers of reconciliation. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would challenge us any time that unforgiveness or bitterness would like to get a foothold, that we would say, wow, God has forgiven me. Mm -hmm. And now I am to forgive others. Realizing it is a process. It's not quick. It's not easy. But Holy Spirit, challenge us in that, that we have this now, this ministry of reconciliation, because there is a hurting world that needs to know that there is a way, and He is the way, the truth, and the life. Help us as a congregation, help us, Lord, to move forward into all that Christ has for us. But thank you today, we have everything we need in Christ. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stand with us as we sing this closing song. If you feel you need prayer today and you want to come forward for prayer, we always invite you to the front. We'd love to pray with you.